Welcome to Aussie Ambitions Podcast, where we meet with everyday Aussies that are pushing ahead with their goals and ambitions in life. Join your host, Scott Robert Springer, to explore the future of entrepreneurship, work-life balance, and reaching beyond your comfort zone. So stay tuned for some tips on living life the Aussie way. All right. Welcome to the Aussie Ambitions Podcast. I've got a guest with us to take us through the topic of cyber psychology. I'm fascinated by this. It's Lee Chantel. Hi, Lee Chantel. How are you? Hello, Scott. Really good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Excellent. So um, just to introduce you, uh, we'd say that you're a digital wellness educator as well as a long list of other things. (laughs) Um, And you've traveled down from Brisbane today? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I used to be at, at the Gold Coast when I was studying down here, but um, I'm up there now for my PhD. Okay. Excellent. So yeah, basically, um, you get a feel for our uh, our podcast and some of the themes that we're tackling. So Aussie ambitions and kind of what people are up to, um, just kind of at the moment. So maybe just a little intro to yourself. What are you working on at the moment? So at the moment, um, I'm working. I'm I'm very fascinated about cyber psychology. What you mentioned before, and um, I'm in the middle of studies. So I'm doing my PhD at the moment, and it's in regards to behavioral change and technology acceptance about autonomous vehicles and blockchain technology. And I know that's a lot happening there. (laughs) I know a lot of people might not even understand some of those things I've said, but it's just how technology is going in regards to um, transportation and the cybersecurity aspects that uh, that help that and help people's acceptance and blockchain is one of those. Okay. Well, just to, I guess, set the stage for Australia playing a part in all of this, is there, are there conversations happening in Australia on this, on this front or are you the inception of that? Like, are you Well, I'm doing days? it um, like as a PhD, so I'm nowhere near an expert at the moment. I'm just starting the journey with that. Um, and um, yeah, there's some in Ipswich, so west of um, Brisbane, there's a trial at the moment um, with autonomous vehicles. So that's interesting, but yeah, it's all, it's very new. They say that um, autonomous vehicles, which means driverless, um, that they should be around in about five years. A lot of people are making those sort of vehicles now. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to get people to move and adapt with things that maybe they're a bit against. Okay, all right. So well, that's interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the autonomous vehicles. I think a lot of people will. You know, certainly following that, like, mm. um, and I was and, and making that connection with the cyber psychology part of mm. it. You know, because what cyber psychology? I'm thinking uh, people on phones, um, maybe just a, a mental health state where people are, you know, influenced by technology in a bad way. Well, it's so it's very broad. It's only a really, really new thing at the moment. It started in Ireland and um, UK, US are doing some stuff. And I've actually noticed over the past three years since I've been studying more um, places in Australia have added it as well. And my plan is to be a cyber psychology lecturer. So that's why I I did my studies. And it's if you just take the words, so there's like cyber, which is technology, and then you've got or technology or anything that's related to devices, I guess you could say. And then you have the psychology aspect, which is why people act, why they feel, and um, why people what's the other one, think certain ways. So if you add all those together, you can get anything. So a lot of people do a lot of e-bullying, e-health, things like that. There's a lot of research in those areas. And um, 
I was just really open-minded to see where it would go. That's what I'm interested in. What can I do? Who can I work with? Who are the people that we – I really like teamwork and learning from other disciplines. So that's sort of where I was. And last year I looked at um, how humanoid social robots interact with preschoolers. Is there a difference between humans versus the robots? Um, so that was what I did last year. And then this year I'm doing the autonomous vehicles and the blockchain stuff. Very cool. Mm. Okay, so so that, that does sort of – Tick one box that I was curious about was so there's a human component and then there's the technology and obviously humans are hardwired in a certain sense like humans have developed over time mm. but technology is moving at a much quicker pace and it's kind of like uh, the effects of one on the other yeah um, definitely. I mean humans are in charge of the technology right well uh, still I would dis disagree with okay. you on that to be honest because you know you we like to think we are we like to think we know um, how to behave and what to do. But, you know, you've got education about why smoking is bad for you, why we need to be doing more exercise, why we shouldn't be watching as much TV as we are, why, you know, all that sort of stuff. That doesn't mean people don't still do those things. So there's a lot of people, and in particular in the space I'm interested in, like the technology space, psychology space, a lot of us know, okay, these things have been designed specifically to work with your psychology and to use your psychology against you. So, okay, wow, um, I really like that people like me or I really want people to be my friend. So what do I need to do to get people to be my friend? Or what do I need to say? What are the things that I need to be and put out to the world that maybe isn't even really me, but that works. That's what helps me get followers. So there's all these things that are changing the way as a society we're actually interacting with people now. You go out to lunch, people are on their phone all the time. You know, most people, like I've got a lot of my friends are introverts actually. I'm quite an extrovert and um, I love chatting on the phone and a few of them will say, you're the only person I speak to on the phone <laughs> because they're used to texting and things like that. They don't like being in the moment where they have to think on their feet and maybe say stuff they might be embarrassed by. So if you think about text, if you think about social media, generally speaking, you have control over what goes out. You know, you might say something silly every now and then or maybe when you're drunk or you're a bit angry or something like that. But generally, if you pause and you consider your actions, you may or may not do what you wanted to originally. Yeah, I mean, it's such a vast topic, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I just, you obviously, there's lots of room for thesis and PhD work and, and so on. Like, is that, is there like a big movement where you can, um, you know, is it expanding? Are a lot of people jumping into this? or, or um, it... Well, definitely the um, digital wellness area. So um, that's, I've been interested in that for quite a while. So I came, um, my other education I've done is naturopathy, Western herbals and stuff like that. So I've always been interested in the natural and the balance, I guess, like equilibrium is probably my favorite word. So how we balance everything in our life, you know, you have to have, Good, good food, which for me would be vegan food and um, a vegan mentality and lifestyle and stuff like that. Plus, you know, exercise, going outside into nature at the Gold Coast, for example. I love ocean swims. I just did this morning, um, you know, outside beach walks. You know, so many people who live here and don't go to the beach. That's a judgment. It's so true. Yeah, but there is, and it's so beautiful here, you know. And um, But 
there's life. Life gets in the way, work gets in the way, and you have to be making these con- these decisions to actually do these things and to follow through. Yeah. just That's a, a good point. I might just press on that a, a minute. So why do you think that is? So I, I completely agree with that, and I can be included in that. Sometimes I'm thinking, well, you got things that you want to do, and it could be a f- something fun or a project or whatever, but... Um, but you might be missing out on some of those luxuries that are around you. So is have you picked on one thing? Is it just that like you said life gets in the way? Is it like family stuff or work stuff? I think it's hard. I, I've actually realized a lot since um, studying psychology and just certain friends that I have and a lot of people that I meet, there's a lot of mental health issues out there at the moment. And when you have you know anxiety, depression, things like that, you can't actually get over that like your brain or your body's using a lot of energy just to even get out of bed sometimes so for people that come from that sort of perspective that's really hard to get them to do anything and anything positive in particular because they literally can't do anything um and then for me it's like you know because I don't have those mental health problems and um from a privileged position that I'm like, okay, well, you just need to go outside. You just need to do exercise. So to me, it's obvious because I don't have those problems. So that's that's sometimes hard to have those conversations with people because you want to help them. You've got the ideas and the reasons and the, the how to help them. But that that's so that's a big issue, especially with COVID related stuff, especially because we're used to staying inside, maybe not as much in Queensland because we didn't have the border closure or the uh, lockdown as much as other people did. But um, for other people that are used to being inside, have been inside for quite a few months or, you know, of the year. It's a year now, I think, since COVID happened. So you've got that mentality when people are used to being inside and they're used to just, you know, staying with themselves and with their thoughts so it's it's very hard you and i personally think you have to make conscious decisions and mindful decisions to do whatever so say for example i've just started my phd recently and um, i'm i'm in my fourth week and um i like you know doing swimming i like doing my yoga and pilates and um because i'm trying to get into a routine it's just started that's all out the window at the moment. I've been doing my yoga and some Pilates, but I haven't done much swimming for a while. Last week I did a bit and today I have, but I need to get into a routine so that I'm making sure that I do those things because routines are very important and in particular healthy, positive routines. So, you know, it's just like every Wednesday, go to the ocean, have a swim, Mondays, Fridays at pool, yoga before, Pilates before, something like that. So it's just breaking those things up and breaking up the times, in particular, you're sitting down and you're working and just seeing more friends. That's also helpful. Um, Yeah, just trying to positive things into your life. And you can't do all of it at once. Just pick one thing, do that well, move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's interesting. I can see how embedded in the psychology it is. And Mm. um, I'm just trying to reiterate some of the things you were highlighting. So is it is it about like tuning into something that's good for you? Because I could see there being a lot of like short term distractions like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and Netflix for a bit. Mm. Um, and that might be sort of a half an hour dead time, which you just sort of sit back and digest something. But um, perhaps it's not good for you um, versus maybe something that has stimulates something physiologically, maybe like you're going for a walk at the beach guaranteed there's something that's happening with your circulation and cardiovascular and maybe nervous system 
yep. dopamine and all this kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, maybe it's the, and then there's the digital. So there's the, probably the digital high. That's where I'm going with this. Mm. You be, it might be on your phone, your Facebook, you watch TikTok for a bit. And you kind of feel like, oh yeah, I, I, mm. that was great, entertaining. Yeah. But it's not a good, uh, maybe there's an addictive component, component to it, you know? Um, it, it, do you get into that kind of stuff where it's like the effects on the body or the mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, I'm about to launch a new website and I have a new model called Digital Equilibrium. So that's a concept I've created about like lifelong healthy digital habits to um, make you thrive online and beyond. And it's based on six different aspects. And um, so all of those things need to be in balance. And um, it's like digital literacy. So you need to know how people are using your psychology against you and what to maybe do to stop it. Um, worthwhile communication. What are you What are you doing when you're online? Is it passive or active? I think this is a really a good thing that people need to focus on um, with the internet and the social media and the digital. Um, stuff that they do are you going on there just because you're um uh what is it halt hungry angry lonely tired so think about that next time you're online and pause consider decide am i hungry am i angry am i lonely am i tired if you're doing things and that can be anything that can be drinking that can be doing drugs promiscuous sex like anything including social media if you're doing it from a non-mindful perspective it's not going to be good so if you're just scrolling there on twitter or because i like twitter or you you like your um tiktok so it's um you know what what am i doing here if you're going on like say for example i go on just check what's happening in the tech world, check what's happening in the AFL, um, you know, watch some, you know, train videos or some cat videos and um, then that's it, get off. Um, but if you're there, two hours go by, you know, that's probably a bit of an issue. So there'd be that one. And then it's, you know, having meaningful interactions and beneficial relationships. So instead of just liking random people you think hot their posts, like have a conversation. I really liked what you said the other day with that. Start a conversation with people, like develop relationships. And also remember that if you have friendships, you need to be putting more effort into those things than just liking someone's profile or liking what they share. And you need like healthy boundaries and self-care. So for example, you're talking about the Netflix stuff. Um, I watch TV for two hours a night, max two hours a night, um, just to chill out. And that is Mostly we're talking before about Big Brother Canada, you know, Love Island, um, South Africa. They're my faves at the moment. Um, and, you know, people, lots of people judge me all the time about liking reality TV shows. But I love it because I can get invested in someone's life for three months. And, you know, it's I don't have to think about it because I'm reading like heavy stuff about blockchain at the moment. It's heavy stuff. So the last thing I want to do is to be learning about something, you know, two hours before I go to bed or something. So if you have those sort of boundaries and self-care, that really helps. And then um, productivity is also essential. So how are you, are you being productive when you go online or when you're, um, you know, like, so the productivity thing with me watching the TV, there's no productivity whatsoever, but I'm chilling out, I'm resting before I go to bed. But if you, you're using your um, social media as a tool 
that's being productive. Letting it use you is another thing. And there's a whole discussion about whether or not it's actually a tool anymore, which is, which is um, yeah, also an issue. <laughs> and then um, the last bit of my digital equilibrium model is um, mindful and conscious use. So if you combine those sort of things and you think about more active rather than passive use and mindful and conscious use. So why am I here at the moment? Why am I on TikTok? Because a lot of people will go on, they just want to message their their friend or something, and then they're there 10 minutes. Oh, what was that thing I had to do again? I totally forgot it. Because you just get caught up in the whole thing. And remember, the like the digital literacy aspect of the model is all these things are designed to get your attention, to make you stay on the platforms for as long as you can so that you're looking at more adverts, so that or Google or Netflix are getting more advertising dollars every time you do that. So to me, if you know that, that stops me do certain behaviors. But I know from my behavioral change um, research and stuff that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all once someone knows something. And from my background in like animal rights and veganism and environmentalism and feminist stuff, it doesn't matter if someone knows it. There's all these other reasons why people don't change behaviors. Yeah, just hearing you describe all, all of that, I'm just constantly picturing like I'm a visual person, so I mm. like to just think of like uh you know, spheres of influence and like, where's the force coming, where are the forces coming from? You got these big yeah. corporate giants and developing the technology. And then you've got like the 99% of everyone else who's just using the, the technology yep. a bit blindly. Um, and then you've got educators and a bit, basically innovators like yourself that are drawing that you can see what's coming mm. and you're putting things in place from a, an awareness standpoint and so on. Um, and is that a daunting task to try to I guess is it do you feel like it's one one versus the other like you got technology wave coming at you and it's maybe just driven by ad dollars and views and you know some these are profitable companies and then you've got the people that are using that are enjoying it but it's probably not good for you so is there a happy world where everyone gets along um yeah i'm i'm a positive person i like to think that most people are good and the world is good so I just add that's one of my biases. But um, yes, so I do think we, I do think you can get balance, but you have to take a lot more initiative and you have to take more ownership of things than I think most people can do or want to do. So that would be the other side of the coin. So for example, you know, um with with the digital with the digital space and the technology space there's you know a few companies that have all the control and it's if originally we said no you have to play by these rules we would have been in a different space so but because now where we are and they have control and they can influence so many things we don't have as much say to change those things and there's there's a lot of stuff that's been going on to try and change um, procedures in particular in the States with, um, you know, getting um, things, um, uh, what are they called, 
like put in put into law, right. like like policies and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but it's very hard when a lot of the people who are in you know public office are getting money from these people. Like the amount of money the tech giants have spent on political influence over the past um, four or so years is, is full on. So that sort of thing happening and relying on te- tech and relying on lawmaker, I think. It would be great if that could happen, but I just don't think we're there and I think that's a big challenge, whereas I think personally we could do a lot that would help us where we're at. But, yeah, I do know that there's a lot of people who just don't, yeah, would not take the initiative and wouldn't even think that's a thing they need to do. And I think, yeah, that's probably where I come from where you can, you by making mindful decisions and conscious choices and understanding what's happening with the world you can make better decisions. And I'm not saying, you know, you tell someone this and they'll become vegan or you tell someone this and they're not going to, they're going to sign off of Facebook and never use um, Facebook again because I just know that doesn't happen. But I think it's long-term education. I also think leading by example is very important too. So if people see me over 20-something years, I've been vegan, I do this, 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 they're like, cool, that's easy, I can do that. And it's more acceptable in the mainstream now, so more people becoming I wouldn't say vegan, but I'd say plant-based, um, which is more food perspective rather than the ethical elements that go along with veganism. So you can see with the technology space as well that um, you've got um, people like a few of us have been saying this for years, you know, like these are things you need to look at, don't do this or do this more. And um, and I think a lot more people are aware of those things now. And there's a lot of good people that are doing stuff like that was the um, Social Dilemma on Netflix, which was really good. Um, the documentary, if you haven't seen that, check that out. And the um, the humane um, the humane tech group are really good, like with Tristan Harris. So they do some really cool. Um, Centre for Humane Technology, they're called, and they do some really good outreach and in particular working with those big tech companies. And then you've got um, like the digital wellness space, the the Digital Wellness Institute who train people and I just did their um, accredited course over my break. Um, so there's more people that care about this stuff. And this is, you know, because I'm like come from a speaking consulting background. So you go into schools, you go into businesses, you go into these places and you say, what are you doing? What's your staff doing? What are the kids doing? And how can we make it better and achievable and stuff that people want to do for one will feel that they're able to do and can see steps to be able to make it happen. Mm. Yeah, I think... I just just looking for the answer in what I was looking for in the the forces and you know you mentioned like the control and it's really the individual can take control that's mm. basically and that's so that empowered feeling so yeah. and doesn't just limit to just technology like you said there's mm. health and then there's where you are in your life and just all those things so I guess that's probably a takeaway for me anyway which is um, just uh, be aware and be mindful mm. and then and then navigate from there you can you can sit down and watch TV it's fine you don't yeah. need to switch off. And be extreme, but uh, as long as just just try to be one step ahead, and don't mm. uh, try not to <laughs> slip into the jet stream of all that neural linguistic programming. You know, it's quite powerful. Yeah, you, you're probably not. You may not be fully aware. So just, it's, I think it's fun to question things in life mm. in general. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong with questioning um, <laughs> things that are in front of you. You mm. know, what you see may not be what it appears. Yeah, um, and there's a reason. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's a bit of fun. <laughs> um, do you enjoy your uh, your role? Is it the balance you've got educational and doing a PhD is full on. So is it a, a stressful, long, uh, draining experience or is it uh, stimulating because you're always just learning and expanding horizons? Yeah, well, I, I do enjoy learning stuff. So that, that is very um, exciting and I am very passionate about cyber psychology. So that does help me get through the harder times maybe. Um, and I do like researching, I do like writing and I like working with people and say, for example, one of my supervisors for, is from transport um, area and one of my other supervisors from um, cyber security. So, you know, the three of us together make a really good team. So that, yeah, the PhD will probably be a bit more stressful than the other stuff. You know, the other stuff, um, I know it, you know, in, you know, pretty much back to front because I've been interested in it for a while. I'm just, you know, getting out there more in the space because um, I, I had a bit of time over the break just when I finished my honours. Um, so yeah, getting more into that space and, um, you're just educating people and, you know, it is hard because I've come from that, from the vegan and environmental perspective for, you know, two plus decades. So it's very, very hard, but also a thing that, um, I was just talking to someone about it yesterday, actually, I think, um, like a Buddhist perspective of non-attachment is really essential and just in life. So I think, you know, if you do something with expecting a particular outcome, then that's not really that great a headspace to be in. So if you go in, like, so for me, I'm just like, I I know this stuff. I'm very good at communicating it in a way that um, people can understand and that's what I can do. So that's my life, just, you know, trying to change the world, you know. <laughs> and um, so I use all those skills to make those sort of things happen. And it's, yeah, focusing on educating people. So I know this stuff and I want to transfer that knowledge to someone else. And that's, I guess, all, all I'm at at the moment and to empower people to believe that they have the power to change things so those things and that's just that's all you can do you have to let it lie and you have to you know guide people or find people when they find you and just let go of anything else and i think that really helps so yeah i'm not i'm not really stressed about it or too overwhelmed with the digital wellness and the digital equilibrium space because i think it happens when it happens and you know the the vegan stuff took 20 years really for it to become more mainstream and that's the thing like I find myself every 10 years or there's another project I want to like really get out to the world and this is my latest one to be honest so yeah there'll probably be a new thing in 10 years <laughs> well that's that's where it gets interesting because I yeah. was getting a sense like this is such a rich space but then you've sort of you've come from a origins in different areas you've mm. got marketing experience yeah. you've got um quite a, a passionate uh, and well basically yeah, living living the life of a vegan and mm. uh, maybe it's i don't know if it's advocacy but it's just living it and mm. maybe sharing with people the um that what it's all about yeah the education so maybe we can just back way up for the listeners yeah. and just kind of because a lot of people will be fascinated like where is she from and yeah how did this all come to be so maybe just we could walk way back like you're born and raised in Australia? Yeah, so I was made in Africa um, and born in Fremantle in Western Australia. 
And then we used to live on Papua New Guinea on a place called Bougainville Island, which is part of the Solomon Islands. So I lived there for 10 years of my life, um, first 10 years. And then we came to Australia, so to Brisbane after that. And yeah, being at the Gold Coast, um, I used to, so I used to do a lot of vegan activism and speaking and travel. So I used to travel a lot and I used to do a lot of house sits. And so, yeah, I was doing that for eight hour, uh, eight years and then um, doing all my marketing, social media marketing, put on a lot of events, put on a lot of vegan things, um, ran some not-for-profits. And, um, yeah, I was totally immersed in the marketing world for you know 12 12 years or something I think it was and um yeah and then I think that's sort of where I came to the digital wellness space to be honest because when you see behind the curtain of how things run or how you know the algorithms work or how we can't even work out how some of the algorithms work or um what is effective and what's not like that that's very fascinating like you said about asking questions or being being um um curious is really essential so i think that's what led me to the wellness thing where you're like the tech has so much control how do we how how can we live with that what can we do where's the balance for that so that sort of took me into the digital wellness space and in particular cyber psychology and there was a lot of people I followed on Twitter and um, like read their books who I was like, oh, I wonder what they've done. So like Sherry Turkle, um, Jamie Bartlett in particular, um, who yeah wrote really awesome books and they did psychology as their background. So I'm like, hmm, maybe, yeah, because I always wanted to be a psychologist. Like years ago I was interested in psychoanalysis and I feel that I've just come a bit full circle. And um, so, yeah, decided to study psychology because I wanted to do cyber psychology in particular as a new field, nothing really in Australia at that time. And, yeah, I've just sort of that's what I want to do. That's the goal. I'm just ridden the wave really. So um, just sort of seeing where it, where it's taking me. Mm. Yeah. You, you um, briefly touched on, you know, the vegan lifestyle and, and how that was a key focus at a point. It still is probably. Um, but if I could just capture I would consider if someone says, "Oh, I'm I'm, I'm a vegan," and mm-hmm. and um, first of all, I I feel like I'm open to learning a lot more about that. So mm. I think I'd be curious to see if that's actually the case mm. for you know someone that's living a lifestyle, and then you constantly have to educate people, or just you know you have to adapt to the rest of the world that's maybe not 100% vegan, right? Mm. Um, yeah. But the other one is, it sounds like you took it a step further, which was it became uh, not an influencer in the sense, but you were like not afraid to go out and put yourself on the stage to speak about it. Mm, Is that fair yeah, to say? And, and was that a business uh, environment as well, where you're almost like consulting to educate people in, in the vegan world or was it, it's still it, personal? It actually came cause I was, um, I did a lot of music and performance. So I was going to be a rock star at one stage. So I think that helped with that, to be honest. So because I'd used to, I'd been used to being on stage, a lot of people asked me to speak in the vegan world. And then I put on um, Brisbane's first all vegan environmental festival 11 years ago. It was called Green Earth Festival at the City Botanic Gardens. And that had like three to 4,000 people based on like, you know, really no budget asking a heap of favors and caught well calling in favors from from years and then because of that marketing I did um that brought me into the marketing world 
So then people ask me, oh, can you help me out with my business or can you do this? I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll give you a pitch. Here's how much, um, here's what I can do. Here's how much I'll charge. And I just got clients like that. So then that happened. So then I was doing it for a long time with my music, with the vegan stuff, promotion and marketing for, you know, free. And then I actually made a living from it, from that. So yeah, that was interesting. And um, yeah, so that's sort of where it's come. So I've been doing the consulting and the speaking in the marketing world for a while and the vegan world for a, a long longer. And now it's just more into the digital wellness sort of space. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it is fascinating to me, the um, the sequence of events. And a lot of mm. people, again, this is just general advice for people out there. I think there's certain common things that people do. They, they're born and they're raised. They go through, I guess, a high school mm. and they graduate or they perhaps get close to graduating. Maybe you don't finish. It might be university. And then there's sort of the job market. And mm. did you ever get into classically like the job market or were you always sort of just your interests was were clear to you and then you just took what was in front of you as an opportunity and went from there i always worked um in music retail so when i just uh when i was at um uh, what was it where you had to do work experience that's it work experience at school i worked at um the record market and then um i worked in chandler's a place that had a music section in it and then I worked at JB Hi-Fi so I've been involved in music retail for quite a while um, and that was just on the side of doing all my other stuff so the vegan stuff the music stuff I never really, that never really made money so you had to make some money in other ways so that's I did the retail stuff but I've always been very entrepreneurial so I always had hustles side hustles so you know I had eBay stores I had Amazon stores you know when I was at uni I flipped books you know on an Amazon store um textbooks and um yeah I used to have um I used to buy secondhand clothes and write my lyrics on them and sell them and just like anything like that and yeah getting more into the space of like passive income is very interesting and I have quite a few friends we're all quite interested in the passive income streams and stuff like that but it's also for me I'm all about cost benefit analysis so there's a lot of stuff that you can do that you think is going to make you money well, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into, like, say there was something, I can't remember what it was, was it maybe screens? This is a few years ago, um, that you could create a sayings or image and they'd screen or they'd put it on a shirt and you could sell that and you'd make a bit of income like that. Right. And I remember a friend and I put in a lot of time doing all these designs and everything and didn't even, nothing really came from it. And I'm like, okay, so you've put all this energy into that. And it's not worth it. So there's other ways that you could that you could do that sort of stuff. So yeah, and I think it's very interesting. There's all these opportunities where you can make little amounts of money, but yeah, you just have to work out what's really beneficial and if your time and energy is worth it, which in a lot of cases it's not. So but that's trial and error. And <clears throat> you know, I've learned because I'm here where I am because of all the stuff that I've learned or the mistakes I've made and things like that. So, you know, I think if you're in the position where, you know, you're able to try all these different things, definitely should. That's cool. It's funny yeah. you, you looped back and covered it there at the end there because yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm completely cost benefit as well, but I try mm. to make, an, not an excuse, but I like to, I like justific justifying things and mm. take, taking an alternative 
perspective that yep. say like, yeah, maybe it isn't black and white. Maybe over a 20 year timeline, I absolutely needed to fail at that one thing. Hmm. Um, and, and, and I learned from it yeah. and then you went back and did something. So yeah, but obviously you need to gain income and, uh, hmm. you know, keep things viable. So in the short term, but yeah, I think it, it's fun as long as you don't lose heart or hope yeah um and, and get beat down by something yeah. i think that's where it really can you get people get stuck and um and need a bit of influence and i think it's like with the the music stuff as well like my i was i honestly thought i was going to be a rock star there was no doubt in my mind i was going to be the next madonna or whoever um and you know it's weird to think back to that person who i was and i just i've got a heap of friends who are touring musicians well as much as you can with COVID, but they, other than the top sort of one or 10% of people, the majority of musicians don't make money. You can make some, you know, if you do covers or corporate sort of gigs, that's some really good money you can make. A lot of like real musicians wouldn't do that sort of stuff or wouldn't in the past. Um, so I didn't want to be a musician like a lot of my friends who was doing part-time casual jobs just to be able to pay for me to go on tour, you know, a few times a year. And I saw that life and I'm like, I don't want that life. So it was like, you know, and it's that conversation you sort of have, what are you willing to give up to get what you want? And for I've had that thought and those conversations and those reflections many, many times over my life. So it's like I'm not willing to put in this work because there's no real outcome and it doesn't matter if you're good or you're bad or whatever it's just like random it's throw of the dice sometimes with music and you know you're not making or don't even start me on spotify and all the way people are not getting paid at the moment you know and um people just think it's great to have all you know oh but you can discover all this music you can't necessarily discover any music there's algorithms that are sending you to particular things based on things they think you're going to like because you're just everyone's just so predictable now you're getting stuff that you're going to like um but people love love it people think it's great whereas there's a, a company called Bandcamp that I love because you know it's 50% of the money goes to the artists straight away that's it whatever is sold and there's a lot of independent artists and it's not like you know say for example SoundCloud was a bit rap, like rap from SoundCloud right. it's it's any sort of music whatsoever so yeah that to me that's very interesting where music's going and um you know bringing that back to some of my other interests in the technology like the blockchain stuff and if you've heard about the non-fungible fungible tokens at the moment nfp nft um so that that's trying to get people to have more ownership of their creations um say for example you know there's a heap of people that um design like uh digital art that's the big thing at the moment and kings of leon they're going to be the first band who's released an album using using that blockchain technology and it's just all about um something some people say stuff is like a bit a random it's like a mathematic equation that you're paying money for that exists online that's not actually physical which is i think it's quite an easy way of explaining it but yeah the block the blockchain is just a way of storing data that um doesn't need um to um be, have one like a hierarchical 
power structure involved with it. But it's a, it's a way of verifying authenticity. So. Yeah, definitely. That's a, there's lots of things you can use it for. Um, and the way that like the blockchain NFTs and like Ethereum, which is one of the types um, of transactions, is like trying to say yes, this exists. This person has bought it. This person has sold it, and this is what it is. So yeah, it's very it's very complicated. It's very hard to explain blockchain, and in particular, say like you know, I'm interested in the autonomous vehicle stuff. So that would be everything has to be connected, and that has to be stored somewhere. And there's things like smart contracts that are making sure that you know you understand what's happening and to whom and things like that. And there's just so many things blockchain can do. But yeah, I think we're. I think it's a really interesting space at the moment to see where it goes. I mean, that's certainly a topic that we'd like to uh, hear hear more about. Mm. And I mean, I've sat in on a few things. Brisbane seems to be pretty active with blockchain uh, educational environments, and mm. um, I think there's even local companies like you know cryptocurrencies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I still haven't quite got my head around you know where cryptocurrency starts and where blockchain starts and. Well, the, that, the but... cryptocurrency is more like, say, the money just focus and most of that is just like a basic aspect of it, so the to and the from and what's been exchanged. So that's like the basic things that can be stored in blockchain, but there's a lot of other stuff that can be added outside of cryptocurrency. So a lot of people just understand the cryptocurrency aspect. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and just to be worthwhile mentioning, one of our earliest guests on the podcast was um, Paradise Gin. They actually mm-hmm. were innovating in the space that their product, so mm-hmm. it's a bottle of gin, but the label and and the to, to verify the authenticity, it was uh, blockchain integrated. So basically, you could track back the purchase and and yeah, it's and and let like you scan. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and there's basically follow on in uh, things like the meat. Uh, industry. So, yeah. but you know, looking at where the meat origins are, because mm. apparently it's not always so clear mm. um, and all those things. So it's it's just about maintaining the authenticity and maybe the value as well. So that- Yeah, I think I think that will be a lot more ba- brands will do that going forward, to be honest, because in particular, like say artisan products, which is maybe what the, I don't know that product, but I can imagine the gin would be a bit of more an artisan sort of type project. And um, yeah, you scan to see um, where um girly i don't even know what gin's made from what's it made from uh i mean it's just yeah i think it's uh i'll refer everyone back to the episodes so they can learn more about it but yeah it's a local distillery um they've got some nat like kakadu plum and some some infusions and, and local flavors but yeah there's there's a there's the spirit part of it mm-hmm. uh, and then it's flavored but it's really the the authenticity of it being produced here and, mm. a, and a gold coast or surface paradise brand mm. And so. you could track the plums, like, you know, you could add, um, you know, I had a kumquat gin recently too, so that's like an indigenous um, fruit. And you can track where's that indigenous fruit come from. Oh, they that that um, area of people, that tribe of people, that, you know, um, business, they created that. So there's that aspect. These people got paid properly. That's another aspect that I think will Get, gain more traction in years to come, making sure, you know, a lot of the China products, Pakistan, Indian stuff is um, slave labor still. So I think there'll be a lot more of this was made in better conditions for people who are getting paid well so their family can do this or they can live a proper life. And, yeah, like the um, 
the miles that the food's gone as well. Um, yeah, and I think definitely the meat and dairy industry need to get on top of a lot of the issues that they have with, um, you know, just, you know, hurting animals and not looking after them properly. And so, yeah, the, you know, they probably can try that for a while, see how they go. <laughs> That's good. Okay, yeah, Jeez, we're, we're certainly pulling in lots of aspects and they are, yeah. they are related, you know. Um, I, I don't want to let the rock star thing go because I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> that got dropped on us. Um, was there it was some... a long time ago, Scott. No, that's all right. <laughs> Vo- vocals, guitar. Yeah, vocals. Yeah, so folk pop that right. was my sort of thing. And um, just all about heartbreak. It was just very, you know, sad stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was very hard to perform live. I got over that um, quite a bit. Okay. But, yeah, and I I have um, ideas of getting back into um, the creating music and stuff, but it's just not a priority because my study has been. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and maybe do some DJing. I've had some DJing um, tutoring. So there's a few things. Try to keep, I try to keep the um, creative aspects there as well because you need, you know, the balance. Um, but yeah, it's more for me, it's like a bit more poetry and lettering and calligraphy. I do that a bit more nowadays. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's such a great example that even with your very clear central mission, there's there's these things that are on the periphery that, mm. that they make. You know, it's your interests and it seems to me like you haven't abandoned them or they're just, they're there and they they bring you pleasure and you can jump in and out um, and you never know what the future holds. Yeah, exactly. Are you a a future oriented type of person or? Yes, very much all about goals, goal setting and, um, you know, this is what I'm doing today, this is what I'm doing this week, this month, this year. So, um, and yeah, and that's what I suggest for a lot of people too, because I feel a lot of people get overwhelmed with whatever's happening, whether it's like study or um, business stuff or just life, friends, family, whatever. Um, But, yeah, you just break it. I just think you break it down. So I'm very good at here's the whole and here's how to break everything, everything down. So, yeah, and then it's like, okay, well, working back from stuff. So say, for example, I need to put my proposal in for my PhD at this date. And um, I normally would like at least a week to um, be able to update it based on my supervisor's um, feedback. So then they they need maybe two, two, two weeks to a month to read it. So then I need to make sure I've got it to them about a month before I want it to be due. So then what do I have to do to get to that stage? So at the moment I'm just reading a heap of stuff. And what's, you know, where where do you go? What's the bit? What's the bit that's most essential? What are the things that are lacking in the research at the moment? And that's where you focus. And then I've just got so many ideas at the moment because it's very new. So I've just been told you need to get one thing. <laughs> so instead of all this, I need to just focus on one thing. So that's that's when it gets hard, but that's that's all about knowing a topic. And I'm only this is only a new area, so can't expect to know everything in two or three weeks of, of reading. Um, so, yeah, it's just being, you know, realistic. I'm still putting in a heap of time and effort and, yeah, That's neat. interesting. One thing I find, I guess, fascinating about people that are, that have a certain specialty mm-hmm. um, is that how do they, how do they use that specialty in, across their life? So I'm thinking of psychology and you would, mm. you could probably read social situations in a different way than others could. He's looking for cues in lots of different ways, um, but do you ever uh, do you ever use the psychological theory 
things that you're the knowledge you have to use it on yourself to sort of oh, yeah. say, look, okay, I know where I'm at in my yeah. mental journey and yeah. in my my method and so on. Yeah. Is, are you the first customer in the in the yes, scenario? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm very good at reflection. I'm very good at taking a step back and seeing things from afar. And I don't. I'm not the best with emotional stuff, so I can see things from a logical perspective quite easily. So, um, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, that's why you're doing that. That's how come that's happened. You need to do this to change. You know, because it's pretty <laughs> it's simple. You know, to me, it's like this, this, this. Cool. Yep. Tick. Done. Yeah. Move on. <laughs> okay. For other people, not as easy. And there's this thing called the locus of control, yes. which is very interesting. Do you know about that? Yes, I do. I'm trying to think where that came from. I did a lot of uh, behavioral, motivational stuff. Oh, um, cool. but, but but from a business context, ah. what drives people? Yeah. Uh, and locus of control is part of lots of theories. But let's hear more. Well, it's it's interesting because it's whether or not you believe that you have control over yourself or the world or whatever, or you don't. So I believe that I can control a lot of stuff. I believe if I put in the work that this will change. I believe that I can change the world. I believe that I can make relationships better. I believe that I can change my habits and stuff like that, that I'll get good outcomes. I've noticed the majority of people are not like that. So that's a hard thing when you're trying to get someone to change a behavior or to maybe understand things a bit more. And especially what we talk about the mental health stuff before. If you don't believe that you can change something or you have control over something, you're not going to bother. That's why people stay at jobs they hate for years, stay in um, marriages or relationships that everyone else is like, holy shit, that's a really shitty relationship. Um, you know, you just keep doing things because they know that, they understand that. Everything else is way more scary. Mm. And if, yeah. I think that, that circles back exactly right. Even if it's the technology, you know, all the mm. players out there, this, this locus of control, like you, you put yourself, you have control. Mm. Uh, well, I guess you can evaluate who has control and yeah. try to take it take it over yeah. so that you do have control. And I, the theory I was thinking of was equity theory, I think. I'll have to okay. look, look that up. But it's essentially that is that you can control your own satisfaction with things because, mm. it, you know, you sort of re reset um, mm. what you're putting in yeah. and what you can control. And yeah. then in the end, um, you know, yeah, the things are there's things that are outside your control. Yeah. And if you start putting a lot of value on that, then you're not going to be happy or satisfied or yeah stressed. exactly and it's it's like the non-attachment thing we we're talking about before or just being okay with that okay i have to do these certain things i don't necessarily like them but they add up to where i have to go with my journey so they're on the steps of that you know there's a lot of subjects my my uni i studied at griffith uni and um you know i'm planning to be a cyber psychology lecturer and do stuff with them um but they didn't really have anything related to that when I did my three years and, and my honours. And so, you know, there's a lot of subjects I had to do that I'm like, this is, I'm not interested in this. I don't need to know this. I'm interested in being a researcher and a speaker and a consultant and a lecturer. I'm not interested in clinical psychology, which means you're speaking to someone and seeing someone helping them. Like I'm not interested in that whatsoever. But a lot of it is geared towards that because especially at the moment, we need a heap more of those um, clinical psychologists. But I just had to keep reminding myself, this is just one of those bits this is just one of those steps towards that main goal and suck it up like do it that's all you have to do it's you complaining about or you getting annoyed at it it's not going to change because that's part of your curriculum it's part of what you need to do do it tick it off move on the next one hopefully it'll be better 
And that's sort of like my mentality. And I know not everyone's like that, but that's what helps me get through the world. Yeah, I think I think it's putting it out there allows people to to come along for the ride and, mm. and, and I think it is uh, it's it's sort of these threads of conversation and the more that the topics are out there mm. they can weigh up well, where, what's my opinion on this or yeah. how can I contribute uh, and all those things that's kind of where I'm I'm curious about is how how fast moving is all of this because I think a lot of it's people very... a lot of people would realize that you know technology uh, you've got to you've got to consider what's good for you and and, and just the whole the balance of things I think maybe yeah. we like to mentioned balance a lot and see how people are managing various aspects mm. you know and do they have it all in balance a little bit of this little that and pleasure and fun and mm. maybe some serious stuff a side project a hustle yeah um just curious on on a couple things about the entrepreneurial aspect mm-hmm. i'm just curious do you did that just come from within over time like do you i, I feel like you've got this entrepreneurial you've actually mm. spoken about that do you is there is that coming from someplace where you you became an entrepreneur or the mindset of it? Hmm. I don't know, actually. I think it came from myself because my parents are quite um, traditional, you know, need a job, work for society. Um, yeah, I think I've always, and I've always been a bit um, removed from the mainstream too. And I'm one of those people that's quite okay to speak out about things I disagree with, whether or not that's um you know the norm the social norm so i think maybe that it's more related to that to be honest because you know a lot of people wouldn't quit jobs if they knew they didn't have another job lined up or if something wasn't going to be a success and whereas i've just been okay well i'll give it a go it either works or it doesn't like they're the two options mm-hmm. and um so it's not really that bad and um, I guess my parents and my family have just come along from the for the ride and have to support me <laughs> in ways, you know, you know, oh, this is my project, so that means it's everyone around me's project as well. Um, so that's really good. I have like a, a great family and I have great friends as well who are supportive. And um, I think also it's related to having people around you that are good people too you know that you know that you're the sum of the five people around you like i love that aspect so if you're um and that's also another thing that where you work out who you want to put time and energy into and if it's a you know I'm I'm all for relationships changing and moving on from things that don't work and um you know it's like i said cost benefit analysis and a heap of my friends who are um, a bit more emotional. They don't understand when I say cost-benefit analysis about relationships, whether it's like click partners or friendships. Like they totally freak out. And I'm like, but I'm putting in all this energy and I'm not getting, I'm not feeling any joy whatsoever. This person's causing me like annoyance a lot of the times or, um, you know, it's just not balanced. There's no balance there anymore. Or I was getting what I needed and now I'm not. And so to me, it's pretty obvious whether or not you make the decision or it's as conscious as that, I think you know when something's not working and it's just how much time it takes for you to move on from that really. That's the trick. But, um, yeah, so I think it's knowing those sort of things and being okay with that and surrounding myself on the other end of that is people who bring me joy, who I have a great time when I'm around them and we just encourage each other, whatever, you know, we're into. Like I, a lot of my friends have a lot of interests that aren't mine 
And the same for me, like a lot of them don't even understand all the stuff I'm talking about, but we support each other. And that I think that's really important. That's uh, yeah, that's sort of that beautifully simplistic thing that can, that a lot of people can take away from. So yeah, mm. I appreciate you sharing that because it, uh, I could see that helping people, honestly. Yeah. Oh, good. Just, just, just in the, just the frame of mind and just, just to yeah. kind of keep things fresh and Definitely. whatever your situation is, just, just look past that yeah. in that one moment and it can be positive stuff or maybe a struggle. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, one, I, I was also curious about like role models and things like that, mm. maybe a little bit more of a, uh, beyond your, your, your close five, like you described, mm -hmm. are there, have there always been role models that are out there? Um, could be in music, could be in anywhere, but. Yeah, I guess I've loved, like when I was younger, my role models with music were like independent, like Arnie Zafranco, Dar Williams, they were like um, women that were like independent, released stuff on their own terms, um, toured around, was successful without the mainstream support. So I've always liked people that do their own thing on their own and make it successful. So they're the ones I can think of with music. Um, I guess, um, yeah, a lot of, you know, when I first started in the, the vegan scene, a lot of my friends are older women who also had successful businesses. So I've had a lot of um, older women who have sort of helped maybe me see how I could be in the future or something like that. Um, so that's been really good. And I think I'm also like open to feedback from people. Like I'm a big fan of constructive criticism and, um, I know, I know a lot of people aren't, but, um, it helps me because I'm like, okay, cool. That's a different perspective. I haven't seen that. Whether or not you agree with it is another thing. And, you know, sometimes it'll take me a while before I do see it from someone else's perspective, but then that helps. So that, being around people who actually tell me the truth and not just like yes people in my life has been really important too. And they're not necessarily people that are still my friends, some of them I'm thinking of, but at the time they like opened my eyes to certain things that I was like not aware of or maybe, you know, pretended didn't exist or something. So that was helpful. Um, and yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that you can look back and uh, there was some somebody that did give their honest opinion, mm. and they wouldn't necessarily have known that that um, that it was somebody giving you straight feedback, but it did have an effect, and they yeah. probably don't know that it had an effect. Yeah, know, maybe not immediately, but over time. Yeah, so it's kind of well, neat that I guess I try, like, especially because um, I sort of I was so heavily involved in the vegan scene, and then I just stopped everything to study three years ago. So. Um, I've done a lot of reflection and I've learned a lot about myself and people because of psychology. So because of that, I have been very reflective with that and I have understood a lot of things that have happened or relationships or, you know, trajectories or whatever. So that's been interesting. And I, I know one of my first year subjects, we had to ask people's opinion. Like I think I had to give three or five um, adjectives about us. And it had to be um, uh, like negative and positive, but, you know, I wouldn't necessarily use those terms. But um, something, yeah, they really like about you, maybe something that's a bit of a challenge sometimes. And um, so, you know, most of mine's honest. So I'm very honest. And um, I don't mean to cause harm to people. Like I come from things with a, like, um, nice, like a a healthy way of um, 
I think a lot of it's just, um, you know, trying to find out new stuff. And sometimes that comes across <laughs> not a very good way. Like I'm very inquisitive, but sometimes I say it in different ways. Or like I'm, you know, I'm like, well, it's obvious to me what needs to be fixed and tell people. And sometimes people can't handle that. <laughs> so honesty is definitely my positive and my negative. And I've definitely turned that down a lot over the years. And, you know, it's like working out people that can handle certain things and maybe people that can't or like one of my friends from uni he he always says to me look I just need you to listen first before you tell me how to fix it and just having people that know you or you know them that can like give me that stop because sometimes I need that stop to be in the present and remember who they are and what they need from me before I bring in my own stuff. So, yeah, so that's been really cool. That's interesting. Yeah, it's sort of like that considered approach and you're just taking all the inputs in. And yeah. It sounds like you're a bit of an explorer. We got you, It's fitting you've got the Explorer uh, Ambitions mug there. On the, oh, yeah, ahead. yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll label it. Yeah, there we go. That. I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> the Ambitions, yeah. Uh, that's a good reminder for people listening and you can always come in and check the, uh, check the YouTube episodes. But, um, yeah, we certainly uh, have have really gone in across the topic. I mean, again, we can go so deep with the areas of technology and human psychology yeah. and the in interface. Um, we've touched on the vegan aspect and, mm. and that important. Maybe I think it's just worth just briefly taking us through that uh, that important yeah. part of your life. Is it, um, yeah, could you just tell us a little bit more about that and then we'll, we'll wrap up with, uh, you know, what, we're, what you're working on in the next. Uh, so like why I got into it or what? Yeah, it's just what what role did that play in your life? Was it a, was, was it a uh, health or a... Um, a health decision or a feeling or you know uh, something you were introduced mm. to like you said there was some some people that you learned from mm. and then you just said this is right for me um i, I just think like, and you said there's the trendy aspect i think we were just chatting about this mm. earlier where you know people would be tagging themselves on instagram and mm. i mean and vegan lifestyle yep. and all that but it's like are they yeah. living you know are they living it fully or is it more on trend that mm. kind of yeah, as well. well, originally there was not many people who even knew what veganism was. So I'm talking 97 um, is when I first became vegan. And I I was vegetarian a couple of years before that when I was at high school. So when I finished school, I became vegan. And I became vegetarian first when because we used to have this leg of lamb um, for Saturday night uh, meals, like roast leg of lamb. And there's a part my sister and I liked of it. And I said to my mum, oh, what's what part of the leg is it? Because it's called leg of lamb. So I knew it was someone's leg. She said, oh, it's the Achilles tendon. And I looked down and I'm like, I've got an Achilles tendon too. Wow. Okay. And that was like my, I'm eating something that you're someone that used to be alive. And I couldn't, I didn't eat any red meat after that. We went on a one-month camp at, at my school and we looked after chickens, so then I didn't eat chickens after that. It was just a gradual sort of transition into veganism over a couple of years. And then, yeah, I went vegan beginning in 97. And then, yeah, this was <laughs> no internet or not much of the internet. My website, vivalavegan.net, was one of the first vegan lifestyle blogs and websites in Australia. There wasn't much at all. And, um, yeah, like I said, because of the um, my backgrounds in performing, I was asked to speak at a lot of events and I was going into state because most of my friends were Sydney, Melbourne people. There wasn't many vegans here. And so, yeah, I was meeting lots of people into state and just, you know, we had a community. Like it was really, it was actually a really amazing community. Everyone was supporting each other. Yeah, there's always the weird ones in any community, but 
everyone was supportive. There wasn't much judgment around. It was just really cool. You were part of a movement. It's like, you know, I sort of am with the tech stuff at the moment. You're part of that movement to try and educate people to help, you know, animals and to make the world a better place, you know. And so that that was great there for a while. And then, you know, it just became, I, you know, Lee Chantel, vegan spokesperson. That was me for like 20 years. And you don't, I was not making conscious decisions of those things. People would ask me to speak. Yeah, cool. I'll be there. Easy. That's what I do. That's, and then um, I realized I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And this was just before I started studying. And um, it was the same thing. And it's sort of changed since about 2010, 2015, where, you know, Instagram came along. There's a lot more, um, what I would call superficial aspects to the movement, like, you know, um, yeah, hashtag vegan and just showing boobs, butts and abs online. Um, that gets the interaction, that gets all the likes and the shares because, you know, it's a person. People prefer, like from a marketing perspective, people prefer a face or a body rather than just, you know, a product. So that's like, you know, marketing 101. But what what is what's come from it and um there's a lot of people that are making money from the scene now which you know people should be able to make money not a problem but um they're doing it in maybe unethical ways or there's a lot of um places that are just adding the vegan logo onto things or the vegan thing but they're not ethically minded in any shape of in any sense of the word um and yeah so i guess the movement's a lot different now and it's a lot um, more sort of about a person rather than about the ethics or the movement. So it's become so-and-so has said so-and-so and a lot of people can't handle constructive criticism, like should you be posting these sort of things? What are you actually doing? You know, why are you just posting selfies all the time? Um, are you donating to any animal sanctuaries? Are you helping animal sanctuaries? Or are you just trying to get people to like your photos of food? Like, you know, there's a lot of like a lot of questions that need to be asked in particular by some of the people that are now seen as the sort of front runners of stuff. So I was like a the vegan veteran for many years and I've moved away from that now. So it's interesting especially seeing things from afar because I'm not immersed in it. So it's really, really, it's been very interesting the past three years to see the movement from afar and we've still got a long way to go. And, you know, it's like any movement in particular, like political stuff, we all need to work together and just get over the fact that, oh, that person doesn't do this in the way I would do it or this person doesn't do that. It's more, you know, focusing on the things that you have in common rather than the things that separate you. And I just think that's just generally like I try to have like I've got lots of friends who are different, like, you know, not just vegan people, not just people that care about tech, you know, not just people who care about AFL or, you know, there's lots of different people I have in my life that are um, good and interesting and from all over the world, different cultures, different nationalities, different upbringings. And they remind you that there's other ways to look at the world. And that I think is really essential with the technology aspects and the digital aspects at the moment because we're just seeing a filtered version of what you already agree with.
So you're seeing that because that keeps you on those platforms. So I hope people can understand that and try and move beyond it and to try and meet different people that disagree with them. It's okay to disagree with people but in a constructive sort of way and try and learn why Why do you think that? Why, you know, because I, I think this and I can see how you can get to this but I don't understand that part. I think that's really very necessary to do now. That's a neat little way you looped back and, and it's so true in the sense that no matter what the topic is, veganism or, I mean, there's going to be people that are uh, passionate, mm. uh, but if you sort of choose your tribe, uh, the way the algorithms are, they'll you're pretty much going to be in this echo chamber of mm. like people that love what you're doing, Yeah. but nobody's going to be your critic. Uh, you're probably oh. not going to be challenged on anything and that's, I can't. People will say that's probably not a good thing. No. Uh, and and I've seen like quite a few of my friends have become, you know, uh, famous in certain worlds um, and how that changes them. And, um, you know, they some of them are okay with taking feedback and because maybe it's from me or because I'm quite, hey, shut up and listen to me for a moment. Um, but some of them are not and that's changed over time just based on who they hang around with. And this is also, you know, when people say, oh, my friend, and they're just friends with them on Facebook. They're not someone they could call to, call up, and when they have to chat about something like really heavy. And I feel that a lot of people are putting way too much attention on maintaining a, like, profile online and maintaining those supposed connections online and they're forgetting all the in-person stuff, which is what really is needed at the moment, especially with covid Neat. That's neat. Yeah. Well, geez, you've just given us another topic, which is like celebrity and that whole, <laughs> you know, you know, what is that? Is that bad for people? Anyway, we'll, we'll leave yeah, that for another definitely. time. But um, yeah, really, really great. I think if we can just cover uh, some of the things that are ahead of you, uh, mm. I think in the event space, there's some some things happening on the topic. Yeah. So um, there's a data science week, which is coming up in May, um, the 10th to the 14th. And I'm giving a talk somewhere. I think it'll be an online seminar. I think that's going to be the easiest way for most people. Um, and I'm going to talk about how your data is used against you, one of my favorite topics. So have a look at that. And I also brought in um, this new book that I'm um, – featured in so a guy called Jeff Ebbs has written this um, eco book um, published by Australian Geographic and there's a bit on putting down the phone and there's a bit in it about vegans too including me so yeah if you want to find that at most of the bookstores and at um, yourlifeyourplanet.com I think is the website and yeah that's got like really cool tips about environmental um, how to help environmental stuff that's fantastic yeah, yeah. No, so guys jump on the youtube uh channel just to check that um the visuals on that you'll recognize the cover um it's got australian geographic for those aren't that aware um i mean overseas us and canada they would know national geographic mm. but australian Ge geographic is well established here for lots of big movements and lots of big ideas mm. so um yeah, really, really great. Look, Lee Chantel, thank you very much for coming on, sharing that topic. Thank you, Scott. Um, we'll open it up for comments and, and guys, people treat this as a conversation starter and consider um, what you're working on today. So thank you again. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your attention. All right. Bye, guys. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Aussie Ambitions podcast. We appreciate your support and welcome your input. So if there is a topic that you would like to see covered, please let us know via our website, aussieambitions.com or any of our social media accounts. And please subscribe to receive all of our updates.
We hope that you picked up some helpful tips helping you to get to where you want to go. And if you've got a story to tell and are able to come for a visit, definitely get in touch. Mm-hmm.